Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited about today's guest, Crystal Russell. Crystal, thanks so much for being here today. Um, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I was just chatting with Crystal a little bit before we started filming, and you're in for a real treat today. So Crystal, before we get to where you are today, will you just tell us a little bit about maybe where you're from and where you started? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a Colorado native. Natives and want to be long time. You're collecting you know. them. They're rare. Yes. They're rare. Um, but I am a native. Yeah. I'm awesome. From, I'm from Denver. So I actually grew up in Edgewater. Okay. Which is crazy. Yeah. I'm a fifth generation Edgewater. And wow. I know. I know. So okay. I still live there. Actually. Yeah. Right there. You might there. be most native of I'm, all we've had like so far. Hardcore native. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I'm from Denver and um, grew up in Colorado and uh, I lived in Philadelphia for ten years. But otherwise, I've always been here. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah. All right, so you're from um, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Where did you go to school? So I originally, if we're going to go back to high school, I was at Lakewood High School, and then I went to Philadelphia University for college. And interestingly, I wasn't supposed to ever go to college. Um, grew up in an immensely poor family, so we were super, super economically challenged, if you will. And um, I was homeless for a couple of years and oh come gosh. from like a really, yeah, really rough start. Um, have incredible parents that were both military, and then wow. when they were out of the military, they didn't see a lot of support. So, oh my gosh. you know, they're just really hard workers that just didn't really ever kind of find what they needed because they'd never been to college. Oh so, my goodness. yeah, so I have an identical twin sister. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't know that either. Well, I know, weird plot twist. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. We're so, does she live here too? She does. Okay. But we are so different in personalities that you would you would like never know. She's the lead microbiologist. Well, she was, now she's doing a PhD, but she was a lead microbiologist at Children's Hospital. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're like Does natural, she have all the tattoos? No. no. She, we're naturally blonde. Oh no. She has long hair, no tattoos. Oh my gosh. You never know. But, okay, cool. Yeah. So it's just the two of us and then my parents who are amazing and super hardworking and that's kind of where I learned to to be a passionate, hardworking person that doesn't expect anything for free, honestly. Okay. So, uh, yeah, wasn't supposed to go to college and went to Philadelphia University on scholarship. My art teacher in high school thought I was particularly talented at perspective drawing. Okay. And it was a super random thing that he picked up on in class and said, hey, have you ever thought about architecture or design? You seem to be really smart with space and 3D manipulation. Have you ever thought of that? And so I didn't think of college. I'm not supposed to go to school. It's not possible. And he said, well, let me talk to some people and um, connected me with someone at the school and actually flew me over there to, oh my God. Yeah, to meet with them. And I, and I got another scholarship in my first year. Okay. So there's a big relationship yeah. impact, how relationships had a Amazing. major impact on it. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, already you've taken through <laughs> some stuff. So there's some, some depth to who you, um, grew up kind of in yeah. and to be so then okay so then philadelphia yeah philadelphia so uh philadelphia university it's actually the 
used to be the old school of textiles and science in Philly, which is a super, super prestigious fashion design, architecture, and interior design school. Wow. It's one of the best in the country. It was top five when I was there. So it was not only a lucky situation, but like lucky, the but best. Yeah, like a well-aligned yeah. situation, but then, yeah, one of the best schools for design. And my dad always had um, really interesting, like, architectural leanings. So he was, um, he did electrical engineering work for Air Methods over in Centennial. So he okay. worked on helicopters and, like, aircrafts. They both were Air Force. So he used to be an AutoCAD a lot. Okay. So I used to love playing with his, like, AutoCAD. Who likes AutoCAD? I don't know. Me. Weird. But um, I got into it then. And I'm thought, all, uh, uh, I think I know what that is. <laughs> super boring. Um, but I loved kind of the technicality of it, so I thought, oh, I'll probably go into design, I don't know. And so moved to Philly and got into the design program, which is really, really, really tough. They lead people down to about 36 people by the end of the program. Wow. Yeah, so it's a very small program and super architecturally driven. So um, I was there for four years of undergrad, which had a required thesis at the end. Okay. Um, so an important note about college, when I was living in Philly, in school, I met my two best friends in the program. We weren't best friends at the time. We were just the top three in our class and super competitive, <laughs> which are now the, the two other women running the company with me. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, we ended up building this together. Wow, ways, that's but, super yeah, cool. Relationships actually, again. Uh, you said it. I was like, this is going to be perfect. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So Ferris and Ashley. And um, we met in college. Ashley's from San Diego. Ferris is from Philly. Wow. Yeah, and I was from Denver. So we met in the program. We kind of hated each other. Super hated each other. <laughs> like, did not. It was not good. Um, but we kind of grew together in the program and thrived in it, and we were all kind of the best of the best at what we were doing. Cool. So we became really close, and then, yeah, after college, we graduated in the recession. Yeah. Which was so awesome. Great. Lots Fantastic. of opportunities. Yes. Yeah, Even time when you're be, the best of the best. <laughs> best time to be in the construction industry. So, graduated and thought, you know, as you do with college, you come out on this high, and you're like, oh, I won all these awards, I got all these good grades, everybody loves my work and you can't get work anywhere. So oh. it was terrible. The market was totally flat. It was actually 2009. So oh, wow. it was yeah. totally in the worst part of it per se, but pretty bad. So I moved back to Denver. Okay. Um, just, I didn't want to stay in Philadelphia. I miss Denver. I'm with diehard Colorado. So Ferris kind of stayed out east. Ashley went back to California and I came back to Denver. And I was here, you know, maybe like half a year before I just, I could not get any design work. I couldn't, I tried applying at every firm in Denver, you know, just trying to be an intern or an entry level, anything, you know, design, architecture, you name it, couldn't get anything anywhere. And I had a really, what I thought was a really great portfolio, but nobody wanted to hire a new designer. You know, wow. the economy was so flat, people right. could hire, you know, really experienced, talented people who've yeah. been in the industry for like 30 years for nothing, right. why would they hire a newbie? So. Right. I ended up working at this little retail shop in Belmar that wow. at the time. Did you ever know Composition? No. Did you ever see that store? No, I don't think so. So there was, if you know, if you know Composition, it was wonderful and everybody's a fan, but it was this very small <laughs> shop in the little Belmar shopping okay. center um, owned by this woman, Jennifer Roberts, and she was kind of like a powerful um, design influence in Denver, and I didn't know that at the time, I just needed a shop, to be honest, <laughs> and it was kind of close to where I was living, and it was just this little shop that sold like custom furniture made by Denver people and okay, jewelry cool. sold by Denver people. It was all local. Yeah. Um, Rick Griffiths sold his products from Matter there. So there's like a lot of really influential people in this Denver creative yeah. team were there. Mm -hmm. And so I worked there thinking like this will just, you know, hold me over and I ended up meeting really powerful people 
in the Denver creative scene and making some of my most important cool again, relationships. relationships. Yeah, super important. So I went from thinking like, oh, this is just a job to like, this is a really important diversion of the plan, whatever the yes. plan and wherever the plan's coming from. It's like, <laughs> this is really important right now. So yeah. I kind of like leaned into it and stayed there and went simultaneously back for a master's of architecture at CU Denver. Okay. Just trying to diversify a little bit. Um, thinking, you know, when this does pick up, maybe I can do either or. Right. Things are slow. Um, so I went back for Master of Architecture and... When you weren't supposed to go to college, you went again. <laughs> I have two Masters <laughs> and a Bachelor's. Oh so my God, my that's I'm crazy. Just, like, addicted to school. I guess I'm oh supposed to have it. I want it. I want all of it. I just love learning. Yeah. More than anything. So, okay. Yeah, so I thought that would help. And it was, if I'm being totally honest, the program's amazing, but it was kind of redundant because yeah. we'd gone to such an architecturally driven program in oh, Philly. Oh, right. So it just felt a little bit like, oh man, I'm ready to do this, you know, like just keep going to classes for things that I right. feel like I know. And um, yeah, so I did that and continued to work at Composition. And, you know, while I was there, just thinking like, you know, I got to start somewhere. So I was interning for an architect in Denver, Mark Diamond, and hard, right? <laughs> an interesting statistic, you'll hear me talk about this a lot through the course of this dialogue, but an interesting statistic about women in architecture is that, you know, there's like, architecture school makes up some crazy number, like 80% of like architecture, contemporary architecture programs are women. Wow. And only like 30% of the industry are. So you see this like massive flop from school to the field where yeah. it's still a highly, highly antiquated industry in terms of like actually embracing a diverse population in the workforce. It's like one of the hardest to like move into that space and um, I really struggled. I, in training I knew tons of digital stuff, I knew lots of technical things and I was never allowed to do drawings or anything architectural. I was like a glorified secretary and I was wow. never allowed to do none of that and you'll probably learn if not already that I'm like a, I don't like tolerate that. I have like a bad <laughs> attitude. I just was like pissed. I was like no, this is no, I'm not going to, I quit the day he asked me to have his sofa cleaned. I quit. I just was like, oh. I'll tell you where you can put your sofa. Like, this is where, no. So I couldn't really, I was just having this, like, hell of a time, like, advancing anywhere under other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, so I, at the time, as a kind of a side note about undergrad, when we were in design school in Philly, at the time, there wasn't anything happening in terms of, like, the digital visualization okay. market um, okay. in design. Architects were doing all this really cool stuff, and we were in classes with architects who were, like, doing this amazing experimental modeling and like digital computer rendering and and we weren't we didn't have access to that software we weren't teaching classes for it interesting so i self-taught in it i thought well i really love computers and i want to learn this and this would make us competitive we'd be different if we did this mm -hmm. so i self-taught in 3d studio max which is a okay. autodesk program that like pixar used to use for a long time in okay. their animations cool and yeah really hard to learn and i didn't know anything about it but i just like with it. I know, and I, I built my thesis in it, and it was producing this really incredible, like, photorealistic renderings of space. Wow. So I could do something with this, you know? And so after architecture school and after the internship, and things weren't working really in Denver, and everything was flat, I can get a job. Um, I got a call from the university in Philly. It was okay. like, hey, we'd like you to come back and teach, which was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and a huge honor because they really wanted that digital implementation in a market where 
things were so flat, the universities were struggling to be competitive, right? Like what's wow. going to make students continue to come to their programs when they're in a market that they know they can't get a job. And you self-taught? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. Yeah. Super weird. And like the process that I have, I'm sure is totally encouraging. technical <laughs> standards, but it works. So we're just like, yeah, go with hey, it. Let's, yeah make it happen. let's just go with it. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, oh my God, this is great. I, I loved Philly. I have nothing going on here. My family's here and I know yeah. I'm back, but why not? Yeah. So yeah, I went back and I developed a program for the 3D studio rendering happening at Philadelphia University. Cool. Um, for the interior specific, I taught advanced modeling for architecture as well, but they kind of already had that implemented. So it was really focusing on making sure the interior students had a competitive edge compared to like Penn and yeah, you know, Pratt, like all these schools nearby that were just killing it. Um, so I taught there, and while I was teaching there, I started working. I did. Um, I was an adjunct, so it was kind of like part-time. Yeah. I started working for a remodeling company on the side. Okay. So, um, never thought I wanted to go into residential or remodeling at all. And when we were in school, we were like, we'll never design residential. And That's here you the are. Pits. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, I'm just like, 99.995% residential. Wow. And TV, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I started working as contractors, one guy. Okay. And he moved from, relationship, very important relationship, he moved from uh, Romania immigrated from Romania like five years prior. Okay. Didn't know any English. Learned everything from working in a kitchen of a restaurant and listening Whoa. to people talk, right? So oh my just struggled through learning language and figuring it out on his own. And then started a company and built it in five years. And it's like very, still very successful. It's de-remodeling in Philadelphia. Um, and he was just one guy with like some guys to build, like four or five guys I think at the time. No designer no like office when I applied he was like yeah we work from a small office in East Philadelphia and it was like his busted house <laughs> like in his basement it was really weird and I was like ah, yeah. respect uh, it but like going in yeah I was like I don't think that this is how I die is this actually how I die like, uh, this is how I die <laughs> my mom told me not yeah, to yeah am I supposed to do this <laughs> yeah like, totally yeah but he was just total grassroots you know? yeah. so I I started working with him as his like lead designer cool he just didn't have a designer so I started working for a remodeling company with him and um, implementing design which was exciting because I wanted to put all the stuff I used in school you know to use but right um, was on site all the time watching construction so I started seeing how everything was actually going together in ways that yeah. we didn't learn in school and learning things like you know we'd get on site and they'd be like crystal where's the rough-in valve and I'm like what is that? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so I just learned like things that are actually needed that are important that uh -huh. you have to follow through with that installers need and whatever. It was like this really raw, like yeah, rugged, you know, being on site all the time, handling product deliveries, just learning so much about getting it and done. construction. Yeah, like yeah, actually, actually getting it done. Yeah, yes. and I, I fell in love with it. I was like, this makes so much sense. I mean, this this is kind of where. I think I want to be eventually is remodeling. Weird. Weird. Yeah, super weird. <laughs> like not glorious at all. But I, um, yeah, I taught at the school and I worked with him. For, I think it was like three years. Okay. And I was living in Philly and I actually didn't see any sign of stopping that because the the teaching was kind of getting really big. You know, I had started digital classes to supplement my in class teaching. Okay. Because the concepts were too hard to learn in that amount of time. So I was oh, creating like video tutorials. Cool. Yeah. And they went super viral on the internet. So I had okay. like worldwide followers of this like three D S I just thought like I could make a thing of this maybe. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I didn't think I'd leave there. And then my, my dad actually suddenly passed away when I was out there. So in twenty um twelve actually, end of twenty twelve, September of twenty twelve 
he had multiple sclerosis, but okay. he was doing okay, and he just like very suddenly died. Oh my god! So I was like, no, it's okay. He was really sick, you know. So it's one of those things you look at like he was miserable, you know. Yeah, and right. awesome guy, super young, forty nine. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, so young. yeah. But that was like everything I needed to like. I always call it like the proverbial like fire under my ass. Yeah. Really. Right. Because I think everybody deserves to have that moment of like big picture like life is way too short. Totally. Am I actually, if I stop right now, am I actually doing everything I wanted to ever do, assuming that maybe tomorrow isn't a thing? And it was one of those moments of like, it was very, very, very close to my dad. Of everyone in my family, he's the most similar to me. So I kind of felt like I was losing like my only piece of like yeah. the creative person in the family. Everyone else yeah. is like a scientist or whatever. So right. I just had this like big ass wake up call. It was like, you know, I always wanted to start a business. I've been in the remodeling thing, feeling like it was good. I've been self-teaching. It's like, you know, you're empowered. You have ideas. Just go. Like, who cares? Just go. <laughs> So that, the reason I don't even want to talk about it, like my big slogan is like no toe dipping. I like don't toe dip at all of anything. You just go all in. Yeah, and this started that trend of like, bye. Like I just was like, okay, I, I actually don't care about anything anymore. I'm too depressed to care. So yeah. it started out as like a grief thing. Yeah. And I quit everything. I quit the university. I used to have to be back in Denver. You know, I was away from him when he died and that really like, you know. Yeah really messed with me that. and thought it should be with my family, it should be in the state I love, it should be doing exactly what I'm gonna be doing, even if I have to invent it. Yeah. So I quit everything. I, I moved out of my place, I mean I cut my lease. I literally it took like thirty days to me to like, get out of contracts wow. and like get back to Denver. And I had no money and I was super sad and probably like relatively unhealthy, living on like caffeine and like no sleep. <laughs> yeah. And I just got back here and said, like literally fuck it. I'm gonna just <laughs> Start my own Go thing. for it. Right, yeah. yeah. And I, this was all this is all new, but at the time I was still just kind of like not a great employee. Uh-huh. Because every time I immensely respect the people I work for and know that they're there for a reason and they've yeah. made it there for a reason. I always had ideas. I was like, oh gosh, if you just mm, did this one and I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't do anything with it and it like drove me crazy. And yeah. I was working for Dan, he was so smart with the remodeling company in Philly. So smart with construction and so smart with business development and he was so bad with his people, yeah. right? Like his employees. Mm -hmm. So I always thought like, man, you're making mad money and you're busy and your people hate you. Yeah. This is a weakness because hmm. if you fine tune that, you're in a team of people that love to be here, you'd be, you'd be exponentially more successful and you just don't see that. I always had opinions about that stuff. I thought, God, I could just like, take parts of what he's doing well and make mm -hmm. a thing. So I did that. I got back here. I said, okay, I don't know how to do any of this. I don't know how to start a business. My family's not even gone to college. I'm the first person that went to college in my family. Like, this isn't, business wow. is not a thing. Yeah. You know, so I thought, well, I'll look it up on Google. And <laughs> so <laughs> figure it out. So I just, yeah, I figured it out. I don't know. I, I Googled it. I looked up how to start an LLC in Colorado and went through some like online law service and like filed really quickly. I advise all the time as a side note to young people who want to <laughs> be entrepreneurs because everyone likes to talk about how difficult it is to start a business. Yeah. And I'm not undermining it. It's right. It's harder to sustain a business. Sustain, uh-huh. That's the trick. But you know, it's like people just really like stifle themselves and just like It's too hard. It's too hard, yeah. It's just not like I just went for it and filed that and no money. And I just, you know, was really strategic about de 
trying to develop a brand that didn't cost anything yeah. up front. So, so how can I, how can I start getting work without having built in Denver ever? Right. Without having independently built anything on my own at all. So I basically have no <laughs> portfolio to show anyone. Right. And I need to try to convince them that they should hire me. And I look like I'm ten. And like, <laughs> what? Now I mean, the business has aged me. But I'm telling you, yeah, yeah. in 2013, I looked like a baby. So I, I still, you still I'm do. Sure. Yeah, I'm like, guys, I'm like almost mid thirties. I almost. I know. I found three gray hairs yeah. last week. So I know that happens to me right too. here. They all go to yes. one spot, and they're like this long. Yes. Yeah. And like straight too. out. Yeah, they just like and they and they blow in the wind like this. Yes. I'm like where have they're you like been? like a different hair. Yeah, totally. Straight out. They I know it happens. Me. I am in my mid thirties. I am exactly thirty five. Yeah. I'm 32. Oh so my gosh, I'm have it's but I'm better than ever. Right? I can't totally. wait to be 40. I say this all the time. I'm like, can I please get to 40? Oh my god. I don't god. know why. Just yeah. People will take me seriously at 40. Yeah, I don't will know. They? I have, I don't I have know. a necklace. <laughs> yeah, will exactly. They? Brand new. And Brand beautiful. new, you guys. You gotta tell us that when she came in when she was talking about it, she said it was uh you tell us what it is. Unhirable. Unhirable. <laughs> you took the plunge. You I made did. It I just put one on my face. Oh, yeah. Why not? I went with the hand and then I went with the neck. It was like, there's no going back. Oh my gosh. I love it. Hey, I love it. Thank just, you. Just do you. Yeah, it's, what are it's you awesome. It's just like living artwork. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just kind of jumped in. Um, and it was not that easy, of course. But I decided I had this really unique skill in developing renderings of spaces that look like photographs. Yeah. So I said, well, if I design them, what's wrong with developing a hypothetical portfolio that doesn't exist? Yeah. And selling it to people like I've been doing this for years. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's the problem? So I, you know, developed this like, I'm leaving out a very important point that I did also get an MFA in media design while I was teaching in Philly. I got a fine arts degree in copywriting and video production. And oh my gosh. I know that sounds super, awesome. super casual, but it's not, it's, it no, was like a huge. separate thing. While I was in Philly, and I wanted to do it because I kind of was getting the itch to start a business at some point. Okay. And so it was on the side of, of teaching and remodeling, and I was doing just like night classes and online classes to get that done, and it's totally how I built the brand, right? Oh like my I, gosh. I learned logo design, I learned, you know, it was like graphic design and all the things I didn't know in design school, uh -huh. specific to like web and copywriting and content and product design. So when I was here, I thought, I'll use all that. So I designed my own logo. I did like the taglines, the typography, and the content. And I oh did my god, it's amazing! <laughs> and I loved it. It was fun. I really liked it, and I just felt like it helped me figure out all the nuances of the brand and the pillars of the brand. In the yeah, beginning. it was just me. So I just this is the logo. <laughs> and you <laughs> see someone branded with the umbrella there, an employee of mine. Okay, that's cool. You don't have to get it, you but I do buy I do buy tattoos for all employees <laughs> with the logo. They all have one. That's so. awesome. <laughs> Freakishly cultish, maybe. Well, you're into it, you know, though. I, 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 I just, know. I love authenticity, <laughs> I and know. definitely you like are club. who you are, and it's it awesome. We go into meetings sometimes, and we all shake people's hands, and everyone's kind of like, <laughs> "Who are you, people?" I'll have a marking on you, I'm like branding, <laughs> literally brand branding. Yeah. yeah, right? This that's how the truth. Hey, how it goes down. There it is. Yeah, so we just Watch like, for it. Yeah, no, if you see it, that's they belong to me. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> but it's like a logo and like the website and everything, and I just did this portfolio of 
rendered spaces because I, I couldn't pull any of the pictures of work I'd done in Philly because Dan didn't want to share it for my personal business use, which I understand. Right, right. So I just sat and I would like design and conceptualize spaces like I did in school, build them, render them, and yeah. put them on my site as projects. And uh -huh. it wasn't pretending that I had actually constructed them. I would just say like the Baker Kitchen or the liquid whatever. Yeah, whatever you came up with yeah, conceptually. They, exactly, they look like photos. So I had a whole portfolio of these designs that I had made, but people couldn't tell that they were photos. Which is pretty sneaky. <laughs> um, but it was like, fake it till you make it in the beginning. And uh, yeah, so I, I built all that. I took a job at Home Depot when I was building these renderings. Awesome. It was like part-time work because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to make these business cards and I'm going to put them in people's bags when they're checking out because <laughs> anybody at Home Depot thinks they can do it themselves, but they can't. And they'll call me eventually when they find the card in the bag hey. and they're desperate. <laughs> Didn't work that way. I was only no. there for like seven days. Oh. Um, because honestly, we I went there, so I'm going to make money here and try to market my brand while it takes the inherent forever to get this off the ground. <laughs> and it didn't. I mean, I launched the site and I started getting calls right away. Oh my God. And yeah, a lot of them were about the portfolio. Being uh, like, oh, I just love what you did with that, whatever. And I'd be like, oh, I know that was a nightmare. <laughs> Let me tell you about the baker kitchen. It was a nightmare. Yeah. They're not real. Um, but I got a lot of calls and they were like fancy clients right out oh the gate. And I just thought, oh shit, okay. Just off your website? Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Just, Jesus take the wheel. So yeah. I literally just, I said, I'll figure it out. Like, no toe dipping, just go. Yeah. So people would call and say, we'd love you for an estimate. And I'd go and I'd practice talking about the company as a we and us. And yes. try not to seem like it was just me. And, but, you know, I'll, I'll present the work of 20 people, but they don't have to know that it's just me. And I pulled it off. I, I built my first, I think it was probably seven projects by going in and meeting clients and designing and just figuring out the contract and charging them. And just everything was like... <laughs> off the company, you know what I mean, just like go. And I, I just searched for GCs in the industry that I could try to connect with, again, relationships, and uh -huh. um, who would help me knowing I was like fresh to like a lot of knowledge on the build end, but not really the, the nuances of running the business or charging or like change orders or all these yeah. things. So I, I didn't want to handle the build end. So I met um, a number of contractors in my first year that were slow still. Okay. Kind of coming yes. out. So it was a good time for me to be there. Um, they were interested in picking up more work and they were having a really hard time because more often than not general contractors are not good at marketing and branding right. or design they don't have that and yeah I was like you know I can give them a whole visual package I can design everything I can do all the construction drawings I can get all the materials I just need you to build it and so it was like this it was like bait it was really easy and I got contractors who wanted to build my stuff and Forged great relationships with them, which turned into, I mean, the company is six years old this year. Congratulations. Thank you so oh, much. That's so cool. Yeah. So they would just start building for me and we just grew and I eventually, I had so many jobs knowing that I was like, just fully committed to this all nighting, not doing anything else with my life. Right. And I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. So I called Ferris first and I said, you know, hey, I know you've been kind of hating your existence in Philly out there. like. Do you have any design work yet? Do you want to come? I started this thing. Do you want to come make no money? <laughs> <laughs> Promise you for a while, no money, and just work really hard for a startup with me. And she's like, Yeah, why not? So she moved right out. Oh my gosh, yeah. awesome. So in the first year, Ferris and I partnered on building it, and then we got so busy, we called Ashley. Oh so my we just gosh. brought the like the, the team back together yeah, from school, and Ashley moved out a year later. So 
you know, we had three of us by 2015 and um, literally more jobs than, than we could handle and started building just, I mean, today it's hundreds, hundreds of jobs. Um, and just designing, just doing what we knew and then just like figuring out the little details as we went, partnering with people who we thought did quality work and then like as time went on perfecting our process and realizing kind of our our values and stuff. So, okay, so you want to hear about the big transition? Yes, Last please year. tell us. Okay, so 2018 was a huge year um, because we really, you know, obviously it's kind of blowing past the first five years of business, which were a huge struggle. I mean, Were they? It's business, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You just don't know. And I mean, not as much of a struggle. I love the real talk though because it's like, yeah. you're like, oh, it's been great. It's like, is no. it really oh, great? Is hell. it, how hard is it? No, the month I started my business, I put myself like, I want to say like negative six grand or so in my checking. <laughs> I was just like, just living the uh, dream. I, yeah. Really, I mean, and then, you know, it's like we just, I didn't even understand. I think it's like when you're not a business person, you're not formally educated in business, which whatever, right. whatever that is. That's right. Huge. I don't, whatever. You just have to do it to learn. Okay. But um, I didn't know, I didn't understand like revenue and profit. It's right. so silly. No, I get it. But I would say, God, how am I, how am I surviving right now? We're not profiting with any money. It was like this whole understanding of like, oh my God, we're bringing in all this complicated. So yes. at the time I had kind of developed a structure where the designers, me, Ferris and Ashley were just like 1099s in the business. We were like yeah. independent contractors almost. And I thought, okay, we're going to do like a, like a commission plus a base, trying to like kind of work through that, which is yeah. complicated. And we just grew into basically just fast forwarding by the middle of last year grew to like a super profitable company Very and cool. we were yeah we were really breaking we're kind of surprising ourselves right surprising everybody because <laughs> we weren't in it to be fun. yeah we weren't in it to be bougie yeah and I, right i think my my whole thing before the transition that i'll talk about in a minute was that we were all three just super super aggressive at coming about coming at design from the perspective of you know this is this is not a you know, most people go to a design school in an art program, and we went to a science program, a Bachelor of Science in Design. Okay. And I always mention that because it's extremely psychologically based, uh -huh. and design is inherently a human need and a human health science. Okay. And I think if you come at it from that perspective, you'll do it right. And mm -hmm. we, my whole reason, aside from just hating working for other people, if I'm being totally transparent, <laughs> But uh, the biggest driver to starting a company was thinking that the industry had it wrong. And I think that there are a lot of people doing it right, but I think at the time when the industry was so flat, there's just like the whole importance of design as a wellness science got lost. Yeah. And it became totally inaccessible to the average person, right? right. So design became something that was like super luxe and super unattainable. True. And extremely... Um, elevated for like the average person who probably needs it from a functional health wellness perspective than anyone and i you know growing up in my situation i'm very sensitive about that thinking like man you know it just there's there's so many benefits psychologically and otherwise to good design and everybody deserves it and there's a way to kind of make good design happen on any budget and nobody's doing that at the time no. it was just like so expensive and it yeah. was so i mean I always say this and I offend someone, so apologies in advance, but we always used to call the industry when we got into it the pearl string designers, mm. where it was like we, I say we now as a whole team, is still true, but at the time I did not fit in. And when I tried to kind of like immerse myself in the community and be a part of the design community in the beginning, I was really rejected because 
super alternative. I was really just aggressively outspoken about things that people didn't really want to talk about. Right. And it just was like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I also just, I'm different in every way. Not again, not to be different, <laughs> but you know, like I bring, so I'm, that's awesome. Yeah. Like for one, I have a wife. So that's always like, people are like, Oh God, and you're gay. Put a cherry on the top. Great. Way to be just like, and check every box, Crystal. Like you're missing half your hair. You're too inky. But like, seriously, in the beginning, you know, she was all I had in this and like bringing her to everything and being in the industry. It was like, it was just rejected in um, every direction, which was, yeah, it's Fine. unfortunate though. It is unfortunate. It's way better now. I'm like, yeah, no problems there. Come along. Yeah. yeah, but at the time it was hard, you know. And I think um, there were so many factors coming into me just not fitting in. Mm -hmm. And not only was it hard to work in the industry, but to get clients in the industry while I was trying to meet that standard. So right. the first year or two, or maybe even three, all of us, all three of us, tried to be that, mm -hmm. and we were like. This is not. What are we doing? This is stupid. Yeah, yeah, this is so stupid. It feels forced. We're not meeting the people we want to meet. Right. And so we really evolved into saying like, okay, no, totally authentic, a hundred percent yourself, embracing that to every extent because that makes you the creative you are. Totally. Which makes this a powerful brand, which makes these designs really incredible. And if clients don't like it, like we're just gonna be about it on the website, <laughs> on everything, and just this is who we are. We're not. Yeah. You know buttoning up in blazers if we don't want to to like cover up our uncomfortable ink or like taking out your you know ferris have like a big septum ring and like it's like don't worry about it you yeah know? that's who you are and if someone's uncomfortable with it we probably actually shouldn't work together right design and build is like a long-term relationship right right so we started really like honing in on our kind of personality as a brand and our values cool. which was really awesome yeah and so that got that became very prominent through last year and everybody just kind of knew tbl like <laughs> yeah for being like the freaks of the industry whatever we don't care it's great in a good way you know? <laughs> in a good, in a good way. way yeah we loved it and people just loved it because yeah. we, we hear all the time you know and i wrote all the copy um on our website and in okay. our marketing and we hear all the time from clients you know like hey we we chose you guys because you felt approachable and we get that Still to this day, all the time. It's, yeah. You know, people hire us because they feel like they can sit with us and they can talk to us and they can be transparent about their needs in their home and they're not embarrassed and they don't feel like they're going to be outpriced or like judged. Right. And yeah. it's a, it's a friendship and it's a relationship. We really value that. So we really like just that was locked down. Everything was great, and then we started seeing like immense financial loss in the construction side, and. That was kind of happening because as the industry started to boom again mm -hmm. and there was a lot of money to be made, all of the people that we've been building with since the beginning, we love dearly and good friends of ours and we owe a lot too because they got us to that place, but started to get really lazy mm -hmm. and I'm talking like GCs because right. we would essentially build our contract around the whole design experience. So we'd say, okay, we're coming in. We're the first point of contact, which is right. really unique in this industry as okay. a designer. It's usually the contractor pulls in the designer, right? Yeah. So we would be the first point of contact. We'd come in, we'd meet with the client, we'd do an estimate, we'd survey everything, we'd give a free rendering with every proposal. Wow. Every person in my company has to be able to render. That's a huge, in that program, Yeah. it's like a huge plus. Um, but we'd do all these cool marketing things, we'd sell the design, we'd do all the construction documents, we order all the materials, we'd get everything on site, same thing, we just have to pull mm -hmm. in, right? But where it would stop is, after that point, you know, we didn't charge for project management and we didn't charge for like oversight of contractors or, you know, we didn't proclaim to be the contractor. We couldn't legally, right. we couldn't. it was a liability issue and we weren't the contractor. So right. we kind of have to take this like extremely well-developed core of values mm -hmm. and hope that it translated into the build end and it never did. And it would start to really fall apart. 
towards like middle of last year where we are noticing like these GCs are just making a killing on our projects because yeah. they're not having to market to get the job. They're not having to push to find the client. They're just waiting for us to give them the next thing. And by, I want to say June of 2018, we had over a hundred active clients simultaneously. Wow. So every single designer is autonomous and designs and signs their own projects. We had the lowest number of clients that one designer had at one point was 18. Wow. We're doing 18 and 35 at a time between each designer. Right, that's a lot. All in different phases. Yeah. yeah. So we're building like hundreds of jobs. These yeah. people just were handing them yeah. this work. And it's not that they're not doing a lot of work, but they started to really take it for granted, I think. And um, there was no real management anymore. And so what would happen is we would end up going to the job site anyway all the time we cared about our clients we forged these great relationships with right. them and become like family with them mm -hmm. through that preliminary process we've done everything based on our values and then we pass it off and like nobody was there you know they'd expect they know we'd be there yeah they know we'd look at things and right. make sure it was right and kind of manage their guys right and so they just peace out i mean towards the end of the year we'd have we'll call them gca <laughs> right. um just taken like vacations to like the Dominican Republic and like whatever for like weeks on end like his guys aren't getting paid our stuff isn't happening people just like don't know what's going on so we ended up just stepping in and doing project management all the time which we weren't being paid for mm -hmm. we weren't legally kind of it was like this weird gray area of like if something went wrong we'd end up just kind of covering it because we wanted to do right mm -hmm. by this client we'd made this amazing relationship with just losing our asses you know and doing so well on the design and then watching it fall apart on the construction and having so many opinions about how that could happen. Right. So okay. I, yeah, I mean, every year, I'm like a serial entrepreneur. This is actually my sixth <laughs> LLC. Okay. I, like, I, my whole life have been trying to, like, implement little businesses and stuff. I love, I'm on the side of many side projects, many side businesses. I just love business development. Yeah. But I think where I saw, like, a really huge opportunity is in this construction um, side because I, I felt like there. Anytime I see there's a huge need, yeah. I, just, I can't help myself. I can't yeah. help it. Plus, we're just losing. Like I'm looking at it, thinking like we could do better. So, we kind of sat down. When I say we, I mean me, because my whole team was like, please don't make another change. Now at this point, I was up to. I had hired Delilah um, as my fourth designer, and as another aside, I was teaching at the Art Institute. Oh my god! All my free yeah. time, right? But this is yeah. how I meet a lot of my employees is through the Art Institute. I they bet. Now, yeah. I was teaching that. So That's for, a good idea yeah. too. It's very convoluted. But I had yes. Delilah and Ferris and Ashley, mm -hmm. myself. So a team of uh, four designers in-house doing tons of work. And just kind of thinking like, man, I I feel like we're on site. We've now known the guys. We, we had all these different GCs, but we had two main ones that we worked with all the time in their teams, right? Yeah. And the guys that worked for these two were with them all the time on site. We were with them constantly. They were building all of our jobs. Came like family with them. Right. And they've been building for us since 2013. I mean, they know how we design. They know how we like things built. I mean, we've just got this great rapport with them directly. Yeah. And we started kind of talking to them a lot and just kind of hearing what they had to say on site aside from being there to manage stuff all the time. <laughs> right. And realizing that they're just immensely undervalued and in my opinion, horribly mistreated. So I think that you have this like pool of insane skill and they were all being really underpaid. Very much so, like very bad. Uh, and for various reasons right. that we'll leave alone. But there's these two different teams from two different GCs and they both are kind of, we're kind of dealing with the same thing where they are hard workers and they want to do good work and they like 
the TBL team, but their paychecks are late, or like the GC's on a vacation and hasn't paid them in six weeks, and right. it's just like this demoralizing, like just condescending, weird, depressing situation. And I thought, you know, if you're not going to be appreciated by this person, I'd like to have you. Right. <laughs> like, I'll take good care of you. You're doing something that's so valuable in this industry right now. Yeah. We knew it was going to explode even more. Mm-hmm. But like, how can we develop a model where we make sure that these people are taken care of, right? Because they're the most valuable asset in this network right now. Right. They're the only thing actually bringing these ideas we have to fruition. Right. And they're just like ready to give up because they have. It's just, this sucks. Like they're being yeah. overworked and underpaid and morale is low. Yeah, it's terrible. It's yeah. horrible, right? So we're not getting the best work out right. of them when we know what they can do. So I sat on it for a while thinking like I just don't know how this is possible because it's like an expensive move. But the problem I just consistently was having is like, you know, they, they, there's no like hardcore accountability or loyalty in the construction industry most of the time. I mean, right. how many times have you heard about like a sub disappeared mm-hmm. or like I can't find my flooring guy or like this guy quit again or Someone's back on crack. Yeah, yeah, no, like it's just so yeah. bad. It's really, really bad. And um, we felt lucky to have this like pool of connections that were really stable and really strong and yeah. talented and just kind of not getting what they deserve. So at, towards the end of the year in December, it's okay, I need a bigger design team because I think I'm going to step out of design entirely and I carry the biggest load of revenue for design just because I'm the owner and I'm willing to like do whatever it takes, <laughs> you know, to like get all the jobs. So I stepped out of design and I hired two other designers, so we had a team of six designers and um, decided to get my GC license. So cool. Well, I was like, Congratulations. thank you. Yeah, I was like, I'll try. So I sat, it's a hilarious story, I sat, I didn't study at all, I thought, I've been in construction forever, I'll just give it a shot. <laughs> I was like, I don't have time. Like, anything was above it, I just was like, I'll try it and if it works, great. <laughs> you know, Let like, me give it a shot. 15 minutes to go take this really quick. So <laughs> I went for the class A, which is just residential, because we had only really built residential. And I thought, I have no interest in really building commercial yet, so I'll just focus on this. So I went for the class A license and I failed it. I was like, shit, I'm going to take it. So I went to retake it. They're like, no, you have to wait 30 days. I was like, yeah, I don't have 30 days. This is like in my head. I'm not Today. waiting. Yeah, no, I'm the most like immediate gratification. When yeah. it's there, it's like it's happening right now. It's like, fine, I'll take class B. So it's class A, B, and C, right? Okay. And B, B is residential and commercial up to two stories. Okay. Build. And then C is like you're an engineer and skyscrapers. Yeah. I don't need that. But B was like, I'm not even trying for B. That's crazy. So I, it's like, fine, they won't let me take the A, I'll take the B, and I passed it. So, like, random. Oh, no. I know, it's so weird. Oh so, my god, that's awesome. I don't know, yeah, I don't know why. So then, so how does that work then? What yeah. do you, how does that work for TBL? So, I, I got the class B in December, and I thought, well, I could either just, like, try to take over the GC role and just, like, hire out subs, but how does that make us different from everyone, yeah. right? And how does that actually resolve the problems socially and just business you know, financially and otherwise. Yeah. And uh, it's like, it doesn't, you know, it just does not. I think this whole model is wrong. And so I started really researching like design builds uh-huh. in Denver. Okay. And there is no, honestly, there is that I can find. And if there is, please tell me, because I'd love to know. But I've done like endless research on this and everybody I talk to, like there is no true in-house design build in Denver that actually full-time employs their builders. Really? They're all sub-based. So they'll be like either an in-house designer or an in-house GC, sure, and like an in-house like office team, but their actual builders are still subs, Huh. you know? So whether they're loyal subs or not, it's kind of relevant. They're not in-house. So they can go anywhere at any time to anyone. 
So I thought the only way to really make this different is to bring them in on salaries full-time, like contractors. Wow. And it was a huge leap. I went from uh, four full-time employees to 19 in one month. Oh my gosh. And yeah, and I, I said, okay, like I talked to both teams of guys we've been working with forever. I said, you know, I respect you and I value you beyond what I can express. I think you're the reason that we're here. And I'd love to show you what it's like to work with someone that thinks that you're that valuable. And I know that in return, I'll get good work out of it. Hoping that that was true. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling like it was, but hoping it was. And <laughs> just not being like the crystal, like, I believe everyone's good. Yeah, the utopian. I um, kind of live in that place too. I I'm always believing. All the time. <laughs> but I, I did. And I, I talked to both teams. I said, no pressure. I'm not actually, this isn't a job offer. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. And should you be interested, I'd like to see you show up at my studio sometime and we'll talk about it. And yeah. All of them came. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's incredible. So I have my teams that we talk about on social media and stuff. If you follow us, you know, there's like hashtag Team Boots and hashtag Team Angel. So, uh, you know, ruthlessly poached, honestly, all of these laborers from, sorry, had to, you weren't doing it right. But I <laughs> <laughs> had to, right? I mean, it was their choice. But we, we kind of poached them and yeah. we gave everybody a salary the 401k with 4% match and full benefits. Wow. And said, nobody in construction is getting this. And I think that's why there's so many problems. And I hope I'm right, right? Yeah. And, and it has been. And I think it is insanely expensive. Dear God, it mm. is horrific the amount of money that we see coming in. But we're made, it's insane. The volume, we went from like small company to not small. Yeah. Not no. small at all. Yeah. And it's been really hard being super honest, just like so hard to scale that quickly mm -hmm. and keep my cool as, cause I am, I wear a lot of hats and the CEO, I'm also, I do day-to-day -day finance. I do, you know, all high there. I am HR and mm -hmm. I'm, I stepped out of design, but I do all construction coordination. So I do all wow. scheduling, all contracts, all direct client communication and I manage all the teams. So it's, you know, it's a ton, but I don't, it's a ton, it's a ton and I, I love it. And I just kind of shift as needed until we figure out how the system's working, and then I'll put someone in it that I think is fitted for it. But yeah, Team Boots and Team Angel is um, Team Boots is a team of six, and Team Angel is a team of six, and those are in-house, just straight up in-house salaried builders. And the goal was to just pay them really well, based on what they yeah. deserve and skill level, which we don't have skilled or unskilled. We have levels. I don't like those words because I think everybody's skilled to be <laughs> right. doing what they're doing. Agreed. So instead of being like, you're an unskilled laborer, like, who wants to hear that? Yeah, Does anyone nobody. ever want to hear, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm an unskilled laborer? Yeah, no. Someday I'll be a skilled <laughs> laborer, but, you know, so we make like levels for them. So we use structural elements of like a building. So, you know, if you're the foundation, you're a foreman. If you're the joists, you're like a skilled. And if you're a stud, you're unskilled, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, awesome. it's like, yeah. you know, they make up the walls of a space, but they're not necessarily load-bearing. Yeah. They can come out without tearing down the house, but they're necessary. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so we like their business cards. And too. stud is fun. Stud, I know, I'm like, who's <laughs> sad about that? Everybody yeah, wants to no, downgrade exactly. the stud level. Like, what is <laughs> totally. <that? laughs> yeah. So we have, like, levels for them, and we just kind of, like, redeveloped this whole culture in the industry of, like, like, really putting the build-ends in a super high pedestal and yeah. saying like you guys are the reason that any of this is happening so i think for so long between you know it's like the culture of the industry you either have people who are undocumented or you have ex-criminals or people coming right. off the literally the yeah. whole industry is made of that totally and the skilled trades have exceptional people in them but they are made of people that aren't given a second chance a lot of yeah. so both teams are people who probably could be hired anywhere else just visually mm -hmm. or they're past mm -hmm. like would prohibit that and they're exceptional people and they do 
phenomenal work and they've never been given a chance. So we kind of developed a culture of like, we're gonna be hard on this, you know, you better earn this. This is like a huge risk for us. Um, but they have, and it's been insane. So we will have designed and built under our new structure since January, 30 jobs by the end of the year. Cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And even the smaller design team, it's been incredible. And it's just been like the worst learning curves ever. This has been like truly the worst year of my life. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. It's like terrible. Um, just so much to figure out, right? But, yeah. um, we're thriving. We went from like a 1 million revenue company to a five in one year. Wow. And 19, com you know, 19 employees and figuring out all the, I don't, everything about having that many employees that quickly is horrible. Mm -hmm. It's like so many personalities and trying to keep the brand culture in you know, alive yeah. is hard, but I mean, we're doing it and I think we're, we're being recognized for it, which is awesome. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm just like hungry for more. I'm like, Oh my God, now we're going to, let's, what do we want to do now? You want to go get into like hospitality? Do we wanna, <laughs> I, which I do, which is like pending. Stay tuned. We just signed a job today. So I can oh talk my about God. Yeah, just like hospitality and probably development at some point, I think, cause I think that's going totally wrong, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, Oh my god. I mean, I have so many questions for you. But I'll start with so with making that transition, how did you yeah. see that impact your business? Like mm -hmm. taking all of that in-house, how have you seen or what's the most substantial change that you've noticed? Like the volume. You know, I think we used to have a huge volume as a design firm in general because we had a reputation that we built up over years that people knew about, which was great. But the minute we walk into a place and we say we do all of this in-house and you don't have to worry about people disappearing or being accountable. They're like, take it. I don't care. I don't care. Really? really? I mean, it's like insane how, Wow. I don't want to say easy because we're doing a lot of work mm -hmm. to establish the trust and get the job, but it is the signing percentage that we see now when wow. we say we offer a build is almost a hundred. And it's nuts. I mean, it's really more than we can even handle at this point. We're kind of like really, we're booked into next, well into next spring. Um, and we do, six jobs at a time pretty much between the two teams. Each carries three simultaneously. So, I mean, you can imagine how many, it just keeps going. It's great. People have just lost so much faith in the industry because yeah. while it picked back up, which is great, people were scrambling to get back on their feet. And I think did a lot of corner cutting and kind of hasty things that, that just compromised quality. And then mm -hmm. we just fell into a rut in the construction industry of like everyone inherently doesn't trust you. Right. right? And Noticing that on the build end, right? Mm -hmm. Like I like I was always on site as the designer. Everybody, you're the hero, and I mean sometimes not always, but you're kind of like <laughs> almost always the hero, right? Yeah. And then I come in as the contractor. <laughs> different story. So I really pride myself on being involved from start to finish in uh -huh. every project to make sure they know me. There's a personal letter that every potential client gets with a proposal from me wow. explaining why I made this conversion. That I am the general contractor. They'll see my face. Like I'm yeah. CEO. Yeah, but forget that right like that's just it has to be a title whatever I'll be there I'll be on it I'm literally hauling lumber I mean I bought that pickup I do I have like a giant her name is Rosie she's a 23 foot long like super tight next to oh my it's gosh so I can't I am obsessed with this. Stop it. And we get so many looks. I love it. I'm just like, oh my God, we're being disruptive in every possible way. Oh my just like God. hopping out of my It's becoming, uh, you know, normal. Yeah. Normalized for you oh, to yeah. be disruptive. That is, we started using that as kind of our thing this year. It's like, all right, every year there's like a thing. It was like when we were first building, it was like, you know, be original and authentic. And then it was like, you know, be unapologetic about it. And then we just kind of got aggressive and we we're like, be disruptive, disrupt everything. This is all, you know, and it's not that we think everything is wrong. I just think it could be improved. And we just see like from a human perspective, 
there's just a lot of abuse in this industry, right? Like, on both sides, there was there's a lot of people working in the industry that are upselling their skill and promising that they everybody can suddenly do. It's like when everybody got the iPhone, they're a photographer. It's like, right. you know, it's like there's this upsell of skill that's not real, and mm -hmm. it's very dangerous because you, you can convince anybody that whether it's a DC or a client that you can do a million things, and you can't, and it's so easy to get in the door anymore because there's so much work and nobody can take anything anymore because yeah. they like overload it. So it's very, it's a fragile, messed up. Um, in my Vama talk, I did not use the word so lightly, but I, it's like a messed up industry and I think it has so many holes that have to be repaired because there's like a lack of accountability. There's so much like literal robbery happening with money that's insane. And I just think we've just lost the connection between the client Mm -hmm. and like the end user's actual needs and then just like delivering a good product and being proud of the work you're doing like the old you know ideas about being proud of the work you're doing the craft you're involved in and you know showing that in everything and that's what i love so much about our build teams is they're all just highly skilled and they've never been given the freedom to just build and be good at it yeah and so now they're they're living comfortably and they're not worrying about like the salary system's risky for me yeah but it's it's amazing because they're guaranteed a paycheck no matter what yeah. And I trust that we, at least until the next tank, oh, that's not what <laughs> I'm gonna just anyone I can find. But like until then, and we know it'll happen, but until then, we're so busy. I know we have work for at least through the through next year easily. I mean, we're already halfway through next year. Yeah. So I know we have the work. I can guarantee that to the build teams and to the designers. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, giving them regular pay means that they can do their job and do it really well and not be terrified about the next job or how many hours or like this person right. working more than this person is just very chill. synergetic yeah 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 and then it creates a very predictable financial system for me as the gc when you think about bidding right we've totally turned this on its head this has been like very confused talk about disruptive like very confusing for everyone involved there was so stressed about it i had to go to my attorney at the beginning of the year to talk about like a construction contract and like bidding uh-huh and he he was looking over everything he's like i actually don't know this is like an innovation i'm not sure because they're not subs anymore okay so it's very different you know you don't have like a subcontractor agreement anymore right and you don't have so many of the liabilities that come with that they're not subs they're full-time employees so i take the liability of as a company but that's actually that's an amazing benefit and wow. we really start to control costs and damages it's amazing and for me for bidding i said like I know exactly what the teams cost me all the time. I can actually narrow it down to what each team will cost me every day. Wow. Because it's a consistent fixed salary, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. between That's your, huge. It is huge. So we actually don't base anything on square footages or linear foot. or, And so I've effectively eliminated the change order because if I say this job will take me six weeks, yeah. I bid the job for the cost plus profit or mm -hmm. overhead for my team for six weeks. It's a precise predictable number I can be very transparent with the client about and say this is exactly what they cost me here's what I have to make to survive this is the number wow if we can do the work involved in that time frame it costs me no extra money so if I come into a project and I I always overshoot by a couple weeks to be fair because yeah. everything goes wrong and we're modeling literally everything <laughs> every time so say I add two weeks and I say eight weeks for this kitchen or whatever right then I know that 
if we come in and we demo and we find this is a real example we just recently had you know we take out we demo and we find like a massively structurally compromised ceiling because it was like homeowner special 1.0 last time <laughs> and we have to fix it right we want to we want to make it right but we have to now we're permanent so we like have to address yeah. it yeah you know the only additional cost to the client is the material involved to fix it because when we can't eat that but it go, you know, the material, like the beams that we had to use and the engineering um, cost for our engineer to come by and take a look at it and make it, you know, write a letter about what he needed, which was like very minimal. We took that to the city and then the cost of the lumber to reload it. If we can squeeze that reloading work in the same time frame, it costs me no extra money for my people to be there. Wow. None. And that's an honest fact, right? Yeah, so that's huge. There's no change orders because if it can be done in the same amount of time, you know, I lose... I lose no money and it doesn't cost them extra they're going to be there they're going to make their paycheck no matter what they don't care where they go they're yeah like, tell us what to do we're here they so it's smart because the clients it builds a lot of trust with the customer mm -hmm. creates less paperwork for us yeah the worst thing ever is a huge change order in the middle of a project that derails everything and makes it impossible for the customer which is always our goal is to bring it to life right yeah to every extent that we can yeah and of course there'll be things that come up that we can't that is totally an outside trade that we just we have to, you know, implement, but it's pretty rare. And so far for every job, we've been able to address problems that come up and keep them going. That's the other thing, right? Like you don't see massive delays in timeline because it's, it's my people, right? Like I'm right. not like, oh damn, I have to wait. Yeah. Reschedule. Have to wait for this carpenter and... to come back, you know, like Jose's yeah. not going to be here for six weeks because he's on vacation. Like, yeah, I'm here. So, you know, wow. they're, they're on multiple jobs at a time, but we can easily shift people from one to another. And the teams are so large at this point and all relatively really very skilled that they can kind of shuffle where they need and we've been able to keep this like really well oiled machine that's super predictable from a financial standpoint and easy to explain to people it's it's hard for them to get in the beginning the customers like this feels so strange <laughs> i know it's too good to be true but i promise <laughs> we all benefit you know yeah. it's been like really just like a learning process but it's exciting to see something i thought was a good idea be a really good idea and oh my gosh really, yeah we've been really 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 busy so you recently won quite an award yeah. uh can you tell us a little bit about that yeah totally um so i think it's technically like a month ago um i won the colorado homes and lifestyles five under 40 awards woo -woo! So, yeah! Dream, you know, like, yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. I think in it's not only a huge honor, but in all of this, I've just I've been humbled every year by a number of the kind of recognitions we've gotten. It's like extremely humbling, really. And um, I think I've always wanted to be published. This like my <laughs> oh my god, freak out! Like I will so invade cool. it, right? Yeah. And I and and most of I love uh, CHL, right? They're just. I think it's like the most they're prominent. great they are amazing and they're they're a really powerful publication in this industry because they stand behind a lot of the same kind of things we've been talking about this whole time and just the just a lot behind that but i think they're great i've always really wanted to be a part of it we're like oh when do we get a project in there it's yeah so hard. Like, kate myers the editor is such a badass god i love her but she's like so <laughs> she awesome. hard right yes. like she's always like your photographs suck like she won't <laughs> let me in and i'm like girl give me tips right so the 540 was so exciting because I, 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 didn't, I did not expect it, for one, and um, I think it has everything to do with this big shift um, this year. I think they, people are noticing us as a design mm -hmm. presence now, which is really exciting. I think we have been noticed for a while, but now to take the construction model and turn it on its head yeah. is a big deal, but then to do that as 
you know, a woman under 40 yeah. and as a woman, right? Our our company is, we only have one uh, male in the office. Okay. And we added him this year and I was like, guys, we're diversifying. Let's send out <laughs> a report about how we're finally diversifying yeah. a man in the office. But, um, you know, the build teams are all men and that's kind of the way that goes. But to be their boss and to be the GC yeah. has been like very interesting. Has it? I get nothing but respect from my teams all the respect in the world and I love them to death, but just in general, yeah. it's been everything you think it would be uh -huh. as like a person like this in this industry. And so I think CHNL was like looking at that and saying like, damn, you're resilient, right? Like you're just, like you said, you're just doing it. Just doing it. No shit's Going given. for it. Go. Yeah. And it's, it's every single day. Fearless, really. It, it is. And you have to be because I mean, it's not even like a woe is me thing. Like I am all about like. I don't see gender, I don't see rate, I don't see any of that. I'm just like, here we are, right? If we, you know, one of our um, builders now is a woman, and I'm like, this is, she, she built, like, let's go, yeah. we build things. Like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so you're talented, you're skilled, you do this, like, whatever. Yeah. But it is such an issue, and I think CHNL is just kind of like really working to recognize that. It was it was a huge honor, it was really fun. We did the photo shoot at a carnival. Yeah, so I it's saw the, it. Yeah, it's the most it's recent cool. issue. It's really cool. Super cool. Yeah, and I was in there with some really awesome people because I think um, what's happening now, which is really strange for me, it's kind of like how I think we met almost. Yeah. It's like I'm, people are like talking about me and telling other people that they have to meet me and I'm becoming like a thing and I don't know how to be a thing. I just want uh -huh. to be like here. And I love it. It's, it's humbling. I really mean that. But then just being in the midst of people that I actually know about because like one of the girls is the designer for uh, factor design build. Yeah. And so they're one of my, you know, case studies really when I was looking into building this business, I really respect them. I like their work a lot. And it was just like fangirling over the factor mm -hmm. design build girl. And I'm just there just being like, why am I here? You guys are all so amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But I think, um, at the end of the day, it's about you know, their whole, uh, Siobhan French over at the magazine is yeah. like one of my best, I love She's that She's fabulous too. Oh my God. They're all amazing. But, um, she and I had this really, she came by one day to get to know me and had this really interesting talk about the fact that I'm, um, cause TVL stands for this visionary life. I okay. didn't introduce that nope. meaning. It's super important because, um, we use the term visionary all the time and they call the team the visionaries, you know, and it's, okay. like, and it's like being traditionally being a visionary and being a business person didn't. Everyone yeah. go hand in hand, right? right. Like being really innovative and creative in art and design didn't really speak well to also being a really aggressive, financially minded strategist in business. Yeah. Right. And somehow I kind of land between the two pretty equally. So I think we've had a lot of dialogues about that with the magazine. So that award, yeah, huge deal. Seeing myself in magazines like a huge deal. I don't know. It's weird. I'm, I'm like so awkward about it like shooting me in the photograph was just the weirdest <laughs> it's like such a pain mess and I'm just like I don't know what to do um but it's well get used to it because I think it's just gonna keep <laughs> happening it, it's really you. just you know you talk about all the stuff you have that you're taking on and it's like that sort of, sort of seems to be a theme yeah um you're never you know you're never without something that you seem to be pursuing oh, never. you know you've sort of already given us so much advice that people can take and really kind of meditate on and, and figure out how they might be able to implement some of those things in their walk in, in influence and social capital. But do you specifically have any advice that you give people or like to give people or would even give your younger self? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, all the time I, I'm asked to meet with people in college a lot. Okay. Um, women specifically to talk about like starting businesses or doing any of this. And, um, my advice is always, you know, 
A, it's the no toe dipping thing. They usually use, like, they actually no use that. No toe dipping. Yeah, they use that in the article. It was like my <laughs> slogan. It was like, no toe dipping. Can That's just, awesome. You just, you have, like there is, and it's such a cliche thing to say, but in any relationship, in any partnership, in any experience, in any thing that you're jumping into, you, you just don't know until you do it, right? Right. And I love one of my favorite Favorite, favorite things that was ever told to me in recent history, only last year, was from Gretchen Jones. She, okay. um, she's a brilliant fashion designer in Brooklyn, and I went and did a podcast with her, um, with Ferris, last year while we were in Brooklyn for the Indie Congress, and she said, you know, failure is not failure, it's feedback. And I was like, dude, oh. that is so real. That is so real, and it's so cliche in so many ways, but it's not. It's like, you know, it's, so we're so culturally programmed to quit when we fail like don't right. don't do that like don't break that rule or maybe don't, don't even start because you might yeah, fail right like that looks <laughs> like a day and and to that point everyone literally everyone except for my immediate design family and an immediate family because they know me and they're like well, we won't touch that she's gonna do it anyway <laughs> but like the design family that like knows me well enough you know stepped out and it was like we trust you and your instinct, but literally everyone I interacted with in the community that I tried to get advice from or I sat down with was kind of like, that is so risky. That is not, mm, people aren't doing that for a reason. Don't, uh, you're going to, oh, you're going to bankrupt the company. You have such a good thing going. Don't ruin it. And I just think it's so easy. It's, it, I almost fell into that trap so many times. It's so easy to be derailed by something because you're afraid of it. And, yeah. and that, that really goes for every relationship. I also just tell people to just like be approachable right like when did we become so you have to be overly nice especially in business you have to be intimidating to some extent you have to be firm but when did we become so bad to one another right like right. especially i talk about this with women all the time we're our own enemies right like we right. don't support each other we don't lift each other up and in an industry that struggles to find a balance between like these like masculine dynamics and construction and all this it's really hard because we just like Drag I'm trying to think what movie it was where they talk about uh, lobsters in a pot. Have you heard this? No. Okay, this is true, and it was in a movie, and I'm trying to remember which movie it was, or which show it was, but <laughs> they use this example of lobsters in a pot of boiling water, right? Like yeah. When you put live lobsters in a boiling pot of water, male lobsters will frantically come together to create a ladder that each one can climb out until the last one gets pulled out by the rest. Really? Women will, the female lobsters will literally try to get themselves out so aggressively that they continue to put the other ones down until they all die. Oh my gosh. It sounds crazy. I know that's like a huge downer, you guys. I'm so sorry to be <laughs> like that part. But this is a really important point about the you know, social dynamic, yeah. right? And relationships, especially as they pertain to business. And the ability to come into everything with an open mind, not being overly trusting, but just giving everything a chance. And I've just had so many, I think about every single, my younger self, every single time that I may have. I think I'm in a great position now. I'm very proud of where I am. But there were a lot of opportunities that I passed on because I was convinced that I shouldn't do it, right? Yeah. And if you listen to all of the, the rules and the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and you get boxed into these paradigms that tell you where you're supposed to be and how that's supposed to look, you'll never invent anything. Right. Yeah. How do you invent anything if you keep doing the same thing that's always been done, right? Right. So for me, my thing is always like about how are you being more innovative like what is it that you're doing that sets you apart from everybody else even if that's in <laughs> business or kindness or finance or like what are you doing that's going the extra mile that's taking the idea that you have that maybe a million other people have and saying like yeah but she does this he does this 
And so I, I think of that all the time. It's just like approachable and kind, right? Like just be kind. Yeah. And except when you are loyal and honest and diligent and you follow through with your word, it's amazing what happens for you. Oh my gosh. It's awesome. And it's such a time where people are trying to all be the same. It's so true. Everybody's afraid to break out right now. It's and a really you, strange time. It is strange. Yeah. And yet, it's a strange time. And yet it's the people who are willing to be authentic to who they are that are also like breaking all of these uh, barriers oh, and, yeah. and status symbols and all of this stuff. I mean, even, right. even influencers on Instagram and social media and stuff. I mean, there are people out there just being themselves and crushing it. I know, it. isn't that great? Josh Gutzer it's from amazing. Denver Design Build told me on the Lady Gaga of <laughs> yeah. Denver Design. I was like, hi, am I, am I wearing a meat dress? But like, I love it. Come in and applause. Yeah, I can just see that. Like, You know, it's funny, the Vine Mod Talk, the thing that was like captured the most on social media, they literally made, there were like, apparently I invented hashtags after that talk that like okay. they said things that they turned into like, oh my gosh, hashtags. Cool. it was cool, but it was like, Jesus, I didn't realize I opened that door. <laughs> but again, my big thing that turned into this thing after the talk was like, you know what, I have to sum it up, just don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick, right? Like in business especially, yeah. I don't know where all the traditional models said you have to be this uptight, arrogant dick. Like, yeah. don't be a dick. If you're nice and you're honest, not too nice, but you, you're kind, you're yeah. honest, and you're like following through with something that you're passionate about, it's like doors open. You know, it's this whole concept Absolutely. that you have to have this hierarchy that's like oppressive and weird, and just don't be a dick. Oh just my god, I love that. Don't be a dick. Don't I mean, you heard it here. Stop being a dick right now. It's and that's dick. really the point of what this show <laughs> is really just to be able to say, like, hey, there are people who really care about other people and who really find that as their motivating factor in a lot yeah. of ways is to be kind and to do right by people. Right. I think everybody wants that inherently. I don't think anybody actually doesn't want that, right? No. They just don't know how to embrace it yet or tap into it. or Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that you can reach levels of incredible success by being good to people. You will, actually. I think I firmly believe that you will. I think people who are really good at business, sure they're good at you know analysis and money and all of that, but at the end of the day, people who have built phenomenal businesses and like really strategic, brilliant companies had some level of like human something that was elevated beyond the normal or the average expectation of interaction, you know, to some extent. Yeah, I, w I would agree with you. Yeah. Just and have a better or a more hewability to yeah. connect with people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. I'm yeah. curious, um, you know, where are you like today as far as are there any like new adventures? I mean, oh, this God. is a pretty new adventure, but is, you're right in, it. Yeah, you're right in the throes, but yeah. anything you want to kind of share to bring us up to current or to, to even share that our audience might be able to get involved in? Yeah, totally. So um, what I imagine is directly on the horizon coming up. Um, Actively right now, we're getting into the cannabis industry, which is <laughs> cool. like it came to us. And I yeah, like, I I'll take it. Like if you're not delivering me payments in cash bags, it's not real life. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my first thing. I was like, wait, what does this mean for me? Um, just kidding. But truly, we're gonna start evolving into um, hospitality in Denver, which I think will be so. I feel like when TVL gets in the hospitality in Denver, y'all just watch, watch what happens. Watch out. Okay? Seriously, it's going to be so rad. Um, so we're getting like, a couple of ideas for hostels and cool. um, cannabis stuff, which is really exciting. Um, so that's brand new. But we, um, I for years have been developing a um, an educational offshoot for TVL. Okay. So it's called Busy Lab. Um, cool. Yeah, and literally it's um, it's been a business for four years. 
but um, I'm really trying to get the time to step away. Who knows? Like, <laughs> like I can't even take a shower. So <laughs> when I get to the point of like doing another business, I'll let you know. But, yeah. Um, it's pretty close to getting the point of just taking the educational um, element of like teaching my thoughts on business and management, and then also just the digital stuff that we're so it's built our company. You know, the visualization, the modeling, the rendering, the stuff yeah. that's really unique we're kind of one of the only firms using 3ds for interiors right now okay and i think having this like uh, educational workshop for how to fabricate and build and manage and right just all the things that we have kind of learned by just guessing and doing kind of turning that into like an educational like think tank for people and i get asked for that a lot a oh lot. my god so i think it'll um be exciting to do that like a membership based kind of thing we'll try to do yeah. like the next like probably nine months super cool yeah yeah and we um you know, we're just fully full service now. So we got a showroom now, and at the design studio, you can like come. We have products in there. It's, it's wow. Crazy. Yeah, we're like a one-stop shop for real. So. Well, we will have all of the information on how you can get involved and get in touch with Crystal on the show notes. So be sure to check those out. And before we wrap up, thank you so much for yes. everything that you've shared. I thank mean, you. there's going to be so much goodness in the show notes where people can just kind of, uh, you know, kind of chew it up a little bit because it was a yeah. lot. But it was, um, you know, do you have any kind of final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? I just think more, I do have a very important final thought, Okay, actually. cool. I think we need to be, this is such a soapbox and I won't get on it for too long, but we need to be encouraging young people to be in skilled trades. Okay. So there is a, there's an organization here in Denver, I can't remember the name, it was mentioned by an audience member at my Vaughn talk about encouraging people coming out of high school instead of saying like you have to go to college or you'll fail at life uh -huh. um, for people that are now in like a crippling debt hole from student loans in college <laughs> I can tell you that we're just lacking skilled meaningful labor right yeah and skilled trades you know woodworking and welding and these are beautiful amazing crafts that are not going anywhere right. I would say and I think they're coming back full force and I think we need to work on encouraging people and their children or younger people in the industry to believe that that's a really successful way to go. That's like a total side note, but it's very important to me because I think it really, we, we are all, people who are passionate about this industry are fostering that mm -hmm. and wanting to hire people like that and pay to support people like that, especially ones who are starting young and then really developing into like highly skilled trades, people that like love their craft, tile, stone, masonry, welding, wood. Oh my God, it's, so, it's such a lost art. It's yeah. impossible to find. And we are, we're really negatively affecting this amazing industry by telling kids that they have to go into college. X, Y, and Z. Yeah, right. really, really. Yeah. The best laborers I know are people who are like, yeah, I'm not going to college. I'm starting this now. And they're way, <laughs> ahead, of, they're way ahead of the game. Right. My first friends to make millions were people that never went to college because they literally, they saw in the building industry too. I mean, they started doing their craft because... They perfected it, and by the time yeah. we all got out and <laughs> figured out what you're going to do with your degree, yeah, looked on ramen for three years <laughs> and like whatever they were building things. I just think that that was a point I made at Vonmont, and there was an organization here in Denver that's trying to like really foster that. The Home Building Academy mm -hmm. in Denver is really amazing. Um, I did classes there to get a superintendent certificate, and I noticed how many young people are going there. Yeah, it's a really cool resource for people to know about if they would like to get involved in it as someone who may want to go into school trade. Absolutely, or promote someone to go there. Yeah, it's very important. And we've had their uh, one of their directors uh, nice. on the show, yes, nice. as well. So she, um, Cheryl Shooty, is Cheryl. involved. Hey. Yeah, so hey, she's fabulous. <laughs> she's fabulous. And um, you know, with more people like her who are are pursuing and developing that, yep. and more people like you who are saying, hey, this is a safe place, totally, both for people and for women. 
um, and That's putting these true. things together that are, are creating an environment that people want to come into Absolutely. will play a huge role, hopefully, in being able to, to sustain some of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so well, that was so awesome. Thank and you. you're just fabulous. You're and we fabulous. cannot wait to see where all of this goes hey, for you. Me too. Um, <laughs> I would love to have you back. And um, also, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for us to do some collaboration totally. together. I think you're so full of things that can benefit uh, so many of us that we just can't wait to continue this relationship with you. Well, I'm honored. I'd, I'd love to help in any way. I appreciate you getting me involved. It's so exciting. I, I love to tell the story and I'd love to come back. Oh my gosh. Thanks. Well, thank you again for thank being you. here and thank you for joining us. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.